Wednesday, and thanks for joining us here on the Apollo 13 Minute, a show where each and every day, Monday through Friday, we go over, oh gosh, one minute of the greatest space history movie ever made, the 1995 Ron Howard-directed feature Apollo 13. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com. And I'm one of your other hosts. I'm Chris Henry from the EAA Aviation Museum. And I just did a thing in my head where, did I say Apollo 13 or Apollo 11? I th- Yes, I did say Apollo 13. <laughs> Different movie. <laughs> yes, yes, it's... It's uh, it's 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 a struggle, but we're 103 minutes in, and uh, we're we're in the middle of a very exciting. You can tell it's exciting because James Horner just woke up the uh, flute section, and the the oboes are all going at it too. So very <laughs> very exciting moment beginning. Which with, actually uh, happened during the mission. They were doing, yes, hey, it, guys, was. it was. The... <laughs> it was terrible. They were all shivering up in the command module. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> can you keep it down up there. I'm trying. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> but it's uh, it begins with. Uh, with Jim Lovell putting his uh, Velcro shoes on the uh, the little pads uh, in the lunar module, and uh, it ends with well, we're still he's still firing stuff, but and making all kinds of mistakes on a soaking wet, uh, and that that is from what I'm understanding that is really how it was. Everything was just covered with with uh, water. Oh, so, God, that had to be miserable. Yeah, yeah, and cold. I mean, it was 38 degrees when they finally abandoned the lunar module, so just not a not a pleasant time. Uh, but lots of activity here, lots of, uh, lots of great, uh, there's a lot of CGI in this particular uh, moment, except the biggest problem is that it's not, it's not right. <laughs> it's, not, it's not right. When they show the lunar module, it's firing, uh, well, it's kind of just, it's bouncing around like it's in a, uh, like, like it's a, like when you let go of a balloon, <laughs> it's just kind of ran- <laughs> randomly flying all over the place. Um, but it's it's firing mostly in the direction of Earth. They're heading. It, it looks like they're like they're trying to just hit the Earth, and that's exactly not what they're trying to do. In in real life, in actual in actuality, the front of the lunar module was pointed at the Earth, and they were trying to go at a right angle to the Earth so that they could get back in the corridor. As we were, we were talking about in earlier minutes, they're falling down. A funnel, and what they're trying to do is line up inside the funnel. They're slightly, they're on the very edge of the funnel. They're a little, but but it looks like as they keep going, they're going to fall outside the funnel. So they're trying to move their way back into the funnel as far as they can. Now, when there's so, there's so much to talk about in this minute. <laughs> when we talked about in a previous minute, we talked about how their entry corridor would be, you know, the basketball and the baseball and you know, and fitting in on the width of a sheet of paper. But as you get closer, it gets a lot easier because that sheet of paper gets wider and wider. By the time they were doing their mid-course correction, they could fudge it by 15 seconds or so, maybe even 20 seconds, of how long they were going to do the thrust. And they had to kind of do it in the general direction of at a right angle to the Earth. So if they get anywhere near this big, this big cone that, that, they can, that they can land in, then they're okay. It's not... It, it, it does have a bit of precision, but not the kind of precision where you're aiming at. There, the thing is, you got to remember that the lunar module and the command module are much tinier than that piece of paper. <laughs> they're like they're like a flea on the piece. Of paper. So 
they've got a lot of wiggle room, and we're and they're not they're not that far off. They they're trying to get back into that uh, that two degree window, and they're they're right on the edge of the two degree window. So they want to move over far enough that they're right down the middle of the highway, so that in, in case they keep shallowing out again, they still have enough wiggle room that they don't have to worry about it. And as it turned out, they do. They didn't quite make it. They're still a little bit. They're still a little bit in that yellow zone when they when they come in for a reentry, but they're safe enough. So when we're watching this, they're doing they're doing the burn and uh, they're not doing it toward the earth. That's the that's the biggest problem with that uh, with the CGI that you see in there. And uh, they don't really wiggle as much as they're showing on that on that scene. It's a beautiful picture. I mean, it makes for great looking cinema but they're not waggling around the sky as as they're doing that they're they're pretty much doing a steady burn and they're keeping the earth in the window and remember these are these are minor movements they're not you know <laughs> there, there's no um what is it pi pilot induced oscillation there's none of that yes. and every airplane movie ever ever Always gets that wrong with, <laughs> you know, you, you know uh, watch like the movies you know, like Pearl Harbor or even uh, The Aviator, you know, where they're the scenes where he's uh, flying the H1 racer, you know, in The Aviator yeah. are incredibly dumb. Yeah. Like, love the movie. It's a great movie. It, 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 but just throwing the yoke or, or the stick around, you know, <laughs> Pearl Harbor was great for that, you know, and it's like, oh my gosh, like you'd be, you know, Especially in something like a P forty or something, you know, a little input in a fighter plane, you're you're going to be upside down in no time. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, these guys are always like throwing stick around, like you gotta yeah, force I, it over. I keep, I keep picturing like airplane when when Robert Hayes has the has the has the yoke and he's it, it's like it's coming up out of his out of his hands. And yeah, it's like, like boxing all, over something. Yeah, yeah, it's like <laughs> waving it all over the place. It's like that's. But they got to do that in movies because that's how people expect. This is how you fly a plane, or this is how you fly a spacecraft. And yeah. It's like, no, it's very and I don't know tiny. if they're trying to show that, like, the pilot's flying it to the edge of his seat or something. But, yeah. <laughs> but it's always like, boy, that's not that doesn't look right. <laughs> no, no, no. It's very gentle. Very, you know, you don't you don't want to turn a big ship that's that's moving fast that you want in a certain place at a certain time. Imagine doing this with a helicopter. It's just like, no, oh, it geez, doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, but it's a it is a beautiful scene though. I got I got to admit that Digital Domain did a great job with the uh, you know the model work and the and the filming and uh, just that's a that's a real that's a real picture from uh, from the Apollo missions that that real picture of Earth. So it makes it look very very nice, very realistic. And just watching the the stars spinning in the background and things and the very dynamic camera. I mean they're using they're doing handheld here and everything's shaking and everything's rocking and rolling. So you get that feeling of uh, great kinetic energy. Um, I I really enjoy the view of the models here, where uh, <laughs> where the the lunar module is kind of tumbling with the uh, command and service module. It just it looks crazy, but great view of the detail of those models, um, which we're we're trying uh, to get a model maker from the from the show uh, from the movie on. So hopefully I can't can't talk about more, but we'll we'll, we'll be getting up with that shortly. That's one of my dream jobs, by the way. Yeah, building models. I, oh, I I love to build models. Like I still do it. Usually aviation or cars, you know. Uh, but my God, like I would love to get to build <laughs> models for the movies. Like that would just be so neat. Yeah, and especially for like rivet counters, it's this is like ah, uh, there's so much stuff. <laughs> yeah, plenty of different things. Like that's not right. Um, and and I know the rivet the rivet counters were out in full force during the launch, but I think. I think this one's pretty accurate. It looks to me, it looks accurate. I mean, the the placement of the uh, 
the United States flag and the uh, just just the little the little details, all the uh, the beta the the mylar and uh, and the and the cloth and the different uh, uh, the thrust deflectors and things. It all just it looks very very accurate. Um, yeah, I just uh, yeah. I always I, loved there was a story out there, um, and I, I, we may have said it at the time that the uh, on the minute the uh, of liftoff, but um, the, there was a story out there that NASA not on these shots, but on the liftoff shots, um, after the film approached these guys and, and basically was like, how did you get that footage? Uh, and it was a model, you know, and, and NASA actually thought it was a real footage. Yeah. And, Part, you know, wow. they're like, wow, we don't have that in our archives, you know. And they're like, well, nobody <laughs> does because we made it, you know. <laughs> but I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, I, you know, I don't smoke, but if I did smoke, I would – I would try to smoke like the the Grumman guy in this. In yes, this. yes, yeah. <laughs> he's got the whole dragon breath thing going out of his nose, and he's he's rubbing his ring finger against his thumb while he's holding his uh, his cigarette <laughs> that has like about an inch and a half of ash on it. And I was yeah. like, yeah, that's how I'd smoke. These guys be... are uh, these guys were like professional smokers. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, you know, they, was, a lot of was, a lot of practice. <laughs> the, yeah, there was you know when I was an air traffic controller, uh, of course we couldn't. You know, I don't smoke. Yeah. Uh, I think. One or two of the guys I worked with did. I think one of them did. Um, of course, you couldn't smoke in the tower, so I yeah. mean, they'd, they'd he'd have to go on his on a break and he'd go outside and, and smoke. But um, I always just say that, that their big thing was coffee. Oh uh, yeah, and they were both uh, ex uh, O'Hare controllers from back in the day. <laughs> um, and like, they, I always joked that they were the uh, the Lloyd Bridges character. You know, they were the. Yeah. Pick you the know, wrong day to stop cut, drinking and earn a day. Cut from that mold, you know. And uh, <laughs> really great guys who taught me a lot about about ATC. Um, but uh, uh, I, it was one of those things where I was like, they're professional coffee drinkers. Like, <laughs> they don't drink coffee at Starbucks. Like, they're going to yeah. make a pot, and it's going to go all day. And then when that's empty, they're going to contemplate making another pot, you know, where (laughs) I've probably had maybe two dozen cups of coffee in my entire life. Yeah. You know, and these guys, before their work week was through, you know, would go through pots of coffee. And it it, just that I just remember that the tower always had a smell of coffee going, you know, and uh, (laughs) for me, aviation smells of of cigarettes and coffee. Yeah. 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 Uh, When I used to work in the. I used to work in the UK at an aircraft factory. You couldn't, you couldn't smoke. Of course, you couldn't smoke inside where they were, where they were doing that. But all the guys in the offices, they would smoke incessantly, and they were all, you know, they would all be like one off the other. And <laughs> I didn't, I didn't smoke. And I go, in, you go into a conference room, and half of them would light up, and so there'd be like this certain blue cast to the room, and it would be, you know, <laughs> it would end about three feet off the ground. So you'd, I'd get lower and lower so I could breathe, and then. One half of the one half of the conference room would stop smoking, and then the other half would light up, and you're like, "Oh, <laughs> oh please!" Yeah, I, it, I, I, oh. you know, it's funny because I know you and I both remember these things where younger people don't like. Yeah, I I blew some young people's minds one day, and I was talking about how restaurants had a smoking section and a non-smoking section, and you know, and if you wanted to shark the line, it was always easier to get a seat over and smoking. Yeah, you know, and even <laughs> if you don't smoke, if there was a long line. You know, and uh, and you know, it's funny. They were like, you used to be able to smoke in a restaurant. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, was, yeah. Back that's when the earth was cooling. Yeah, like yeah, that's what people outside. did. They, yeah, you know, go to a diner or something, <laughs> and uh, you'd have some dessert and light up a cigarette. I guess, but to me, I never got it. Like, I, I don't smoke, and, I, and I'm not knocking on people to do. Like, 
Uh, it's a time-honored tradition, I guess. Yeah. But uh, to me, it just, you know, I have smoked cigarettes and stuff like that and cigars. And, and to me, it just, it kills the taste of everything else. Like Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it, it's just, uh, I, I, but it, it's interesting in watching this and remembering the days when people smoked in an office or smoked around other people who didn't smoke. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and there were actual styles of how people would hold a cigarette. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. I, I worked with a I worked with a guy from Airbus. He was a French guy, and he would hold a cigarette. And you know, the only time I've ever seen anybody hold it, hold a cigarette like this was um, that Martin Short character that was always getting interviewed on SNL, where he was being <laughs> yeah. interviewed by uh, by sixty Minutes, and he'd hold it between his thumb and his index finger, and he'd talk to you, and he'd be smoking it like he was about to throw it away at any time. <laughs> but he'd hold the cigarette like he wouldn't hold, usually. You see people hold it between their uh, index finger and their middle finger, but he would hold it index finger and thumb, and he would smoke it while he was looking at you, and he'd be talking and smoke, and he'd be pulling it out of his mouth to talk to you, and he'd put it back in his mouth, and you felt like it was very, it was very um, panic-inducing. I felt like he was, you know, like Peter Lorre. <laughs> <laughs> to me, the the coolest picture, hands down, of anybody smoking ever that that, and I think everything this person ever did was just cool, and that's James Dean. You know, oh, okay, the, the yeah, the famous James Dean in the red, you know, Rebel Without a Cause jacket, yeah. leaning yeah. against the wall, smoking a cigarette. It's like <laughs> that was in between takes. Like I wasn't even trying to look cool. Like yeah, yeah he just yeah. did. Like that's what cool was. <laughs> yeah, and it's like no, no wonder so many, you know, so many people of our generation uh, smoked because it was like, oh, oh that looks cool. Yeah, <laughs> like God, like yeah, like I want to smoke. Like yeah, I want to look at that, that picture. Really I'm just like, yeah, I'll go buy a pack of Reds. You know, and, yeah. Uh, Practice and, uh, throwing them, throw them on the ground, and stubbing it out while you're. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna go race Porsches and stuff next, and you yeah. Know, but, but no, like uh, it, 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 it was totally a, uh, a different time period. That's for yeah. sure. You know, and it's funny we're talking about smoking in aviation. Uh, our Huey, uh, we're getting a Huey for the museum, a UH-1 yep. helicopter from Vietnam, and in the control panel in the pilot side is an ashtray. <laughs> this is a combat aircraft wow. designed to go into war in Vietnam, and they put an ashtray in it. <laughs> it's like, okay, smoke them if you got them, I guess. Sure, why not? Oh, wow. I, uh, yeah, it's 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 mind-boggling how much has changed since we were kids. It's just you know, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's probably safer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was I was born during a time when there were there were cigarette commercials on TV and. Every kid, every five-year-old kid could tell you what LSMFT meant. And it's just, you know, it's like now, for those who don't know, LSMST, LSMFT stood for Lucky Strikes mean, Lucky Strikes means fine tobacco. And wow. it was, you know, that was like a thing that every, LSMFT, or, you know, um, <laughs> Winston tastes good like a cigarette should. And there was always this discussion about how that was poor grammar, that it should be. And I actually had a nun tell me once, it's it's that's incorrect it should be winston tastes good as a cigarette should not like wow <laughs> <laughs> like okay learn some grammar and watch cigarettes uh, commercials yeah that's insane <laughs> um, a, a friend of mine had posted on facebook a picture of uh tarot and tarot and cigarettes uh from the 1960s was an ad from tarot and t- cigarettes and the fellow in the ad had a black eye it was a you know it's a very makeup you know fake movie black eye and uh the the motto for Tarrant cigarettes was us Tarrant smokers would rather fight than switch, <laughs> and it, it was it was so embedded in you know in culture in popular culture. Uh, I had a good friend of mine I went to school with. 
uh, they got a fox terrier, and the fox terrier was white except for it had a brown U under its under its uh, left eye. <laughs> and so, of course, they named the dog Tarrington. <laughs> wow, <laughs> like a Tarrington commercial, with the black eye. Um, yeah, I, I, That's let me let me just sh- let me just just blow everybody's mind here. They made candy cigarettes. Yes, yes. <laughs> let's just let's just with, pause on that for a minute. Yeah, yeah. With red tips, so they <laughs> yeah. looked like they were lit. Yeah. Oh, and I had packs of them. Oh, uh, yeah, they were great. Yeah. I was up to about two, you know, a pack a day maybe at one point. You know, and, it was uh, tough. And they were already menthol. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was fantastic. And you know, people, uh, it, you're, we're really going off off topic yeah, here. I, Talking about pop culture, though, and uh, um, we're. You know, we were talking about uh, you know the '80s and stuff. It was a much '80s was a much simpler time. You remember Power Wheels? Like the the um, they made them for kids. They were like yeah, 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 big, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were like a four wheel drive. One was like Bigfoot, right. and, you know, they're just yeah. a Jeep Wrangler. You know, I had Bigfoot, Mike. Like uh. <laughs> I talked to my mom on Mother's Day. She reminded me of this, and they were talking about the '80s. And I figured I'll throw this out there briefly, but. I was a child of the '80s. I I am still uh, a a Dukes of Hazard fan. Yeah. And my mom reminded me that I tried to jump the bushes in our backyard, <laughs> and this, this this Power Wheels, you know, uh, yeah. it did it's not end not, well. Yeah, it's not um, built for jumping. Yeah. No, not at all. And uh, but I gave it a shot and uh, yelled yeehaw and everything. Oh, good. Uh, yeah. You know, I had it really complete. So. Uh, we were really strange people in the eighties. <laughs> yeah, but it all—it all made sense. It seemed—it it, seemed it to make sense so at the time. So much more simple, though. Then I mean, uh, you know. wow. Well, <laughs> uh, well, well, getting back to the movie, I would—I wish I had a. I, you know, when I was growing up, I wish I had a NASA squawk box. I just, oh my I God. wish it was moving. It's like, oh, that would be the best thing ever. Just sitting in and listen to it. Yeah, I, I um, same here. Like even if like during the shuttle missions and stuff, they had that. Oh my God, I'd have one of those. There, there was a thing uh, I used to love this back in the shuttle. Well, I, I still, still probably active. There was a, there's a direct line that you could dial into NASA at uh, when you were at the at the Cape. And every time, every time we'd watch, uh, you know, if we were down there live, we'd be sitting in Titusville on the Indian River waiting for the shuttles to launch. But there was a direct NASA line you could dial in, and it would usually fill up and it'd be busy. But it was for any just NASA employees or people who knew the number. You could call in and get the you know, you could hear Mission Control direct feed oh, on wow. your phone. And I used to, you know, this was back when you had like a thousand minutes on your phone. And I used to use, use up all my minutes waiting waiting during the during a shuttle launch with that thing open. And we'd be listening on an opening open box. And you'd be hearing, you know, it's on, it's off, it's on, you know, there's a hold. And people people that were standing on the docks or on the, you know, on the shore would be anybody anybody have NASA direct any and, and you say yeah I've got NASA here it is now they're, they're still they're still on they're still on and wow so it was that that was the closest they ever had to a NASA squawk box but it was always just so cool that you know you didn't have to wait for CNN or any of the other news stations that you know when they whenever they they usually would never jump into it until like the last minute of a countdown but you could you could listen direct to, to that what is NASA really was cool I never knew that existed so yeah you just reminded uh, me of the do you remember you'd have I'm sorry, Chris is on like reminisce mode here. <laughs> Remember when you had to like? There was actually a, I kid you not. There was a phone number you'd call, and it would give you the date and time. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so. Oh, uh, oh, yeah. Or do, I, I used to. I, I I was very excited when I worked for. You know, I, I've said this before. I worked for Radio Shack, and I I had a uh, I had a multi-band 
radio. And I was always excited to tune into like, uh, I forget what it was. It was like 10 kilocycles or something, but you could get WWV, which was uh, the the national time service. Yes. And it would say, you know, at the tone, 22 minutes or 22 hours, seven minutes, 30 seconds. And it goes, <laughs> boom, and, and you sit there and you hear this click, click, click. And like, this is the exact time. You know, and now... <laughs> Every fo- every phone in the universe is all on the same time. Yeah, exactly. We all know what time it is. <laughs> yeah, but it used to be like super exciting just to know the exact time. That, that, you know, yeah, yeah. You could set your kitchen clock by it. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Though. I didn't know about the the hotline yeah. to call in. That's pretty cool. I'll, I, I I think I still have it on my phone. I'll have to I'll have to. Well, there's no launches right now, but I have to call it again and see if it's still active. It's probably probably some woman in Melbourne who's tired of getting phone calls. Uh, yeah. Stop calling. There's no launch today. But I, I imagine that was kind of like NASA TV before there was NASA TV. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was just so it was just so exciting to you know the 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 immediacy of now. It's 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 like as we're recording this during the plague year, uh, I had the blue the blue angels were flying all over the country and uh, the blue blue angels flew over my house and it was just exciting, you know, reading, oh, the Blue Angels are coming, the Blue Angels are coming. And then, you know, you go out your front lawn, and what do you know? It's the Blue Angels. There they go, <laughs> right down my street. Wow! You know, it's, yeah. it's exciting to be part of a really big thing. And I think that's that's what it is when you're listening to NASA, and it's like, this is really happening. This is really, this is, this isn't something that's in the, you know, it'll, it will be history, but right now you're, you're seeing it live, and you're, I, I felt that way when, I know we're going off topic, but this is, this is NASA, it's okay. Uh, but, <laughs> I I can remember waiting on the uh, we went to a Jetty Park in uh, at Canaveral or Cocoa Beach actually no it is Canaveral um at, at, at Jetty Park there at the at the end of the riprap uh waiting for uh, the New Horizons uh, satellite to, or, or space probe to go up and it was going to Pluto and I mean you know ever since you're a little kid you learn all the planets and you learn the furthest one away was Pluto. And here's something that was going to Pluto. And just seeing it, uh, unfortunately, it got scrubbed. The, the, the day it was going to launch, it got scrubbed, so they were going to put it off the next day, and we couldn't watch the, the actual launch. Um, but just seeing, seeing it on the pad and knowing that thing was going out beyond the edge of the solar system, when you see something like that, it really, I think it changes you. It changes yeah. the way you feel about, you know, like, it, it always seems when you're reading books and things, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure you got that when you were writing your B-17 book, that you read about things in history, but when you meet the actual people and you see the actual objects, it's such a, it, it changes something in your brain, like, wow, this really is real, this really is happening, and this is how, this is how the world, this is how history works. Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting, uh, you know, recently, uh, just last week, I did an interview with uh, Colonel Ed Shames, who was one of the original Band of Brothers. Uh, yeah. I mean, one of the original jumped on D-Day, uh, you know. Uh, and it was just amazing as I'm talking to him. You know, he's he's you know he's he's talking about you know when I jumped out, you know there were tracers coming up at me and stuff, and mm-hmm. and I'm sitting there in my mind and and I'm thinking of probably images of what I saw in Band of Brothers. But I'm like, my God, this guy was there. Like he, yeah. I'm talking to somebody who literally jumped out of an airplane and landed behind enemy lines on D-Day, and uh, yeah, it was. It's, yeah. it's that's my. I think that's the coolest part of my job, to be honest. Is talk, oh yeah, talking yeah. Meeting, to these people who were there. Yeah, meeting meeting these these actual witnesses to history. You know, the participants in history. I mean, the idea exactly. of jumping. You know, like your job is to be surrounded by the enemy. <laughs> Right, okay. you know, yeah, yeah. and you're yeah. in D-Day, or, you know, we've had, you know, it, 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 
on lighter notes, you know, we've had we had the guy who who was Elvis's personal pilot. Yeah, you know, wow. And uh, but it was totally cool him talking about Elvis just, you know, buying cars for the crew and stuff like that. I mean, he was just a uh, just different things like that. It's just you know, it's neat to capture it and and talk to the people who were literally in these moments of history uh, throughout the United States or wherever. It's yeah, no, it, really it's cool a, stuff. I mean, I remember when we were, I, 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 I think I've told this story before. I remember, and every, and every story in Apollo 13 always has to come back to Frank Borman. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> I remember sitting next to Frank Borman while we were recording with him. And he was, he was talking about different things that happened, that happened during Apollo eight. And I remember looking down and he had a, he had like a bottle of water. He was, you know, one of those uh, Ozarka bottles or whatever the, whatever the local, the local water is in, in Wisconsin. He was holding <laughs> onto a plastic bottle. And I looked at his hand and his, you know, he, he was at the time he was 90 years old. And I was looking at this, this old man's hand in front of me. And I thought that hand was wrapped around the abort handle on a Saturn V. And he, and for the, for the first time in history, someone was, someone was driving a Saturn V to the moon and he was in the driver's seat. And, and that's the hand, that's the hand on the wheel. And, yeah. you know, and just, just, it was, and he shook my hand with that hand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it, it's, I, I try, you know, and I think when you see these, when you see this movie and you see um, the stuff they went through and uh, admittedly some of it is dramatized, but the essence of all it is, is that same, it's that same sense of wonder that, it, it, it's isn't it amazing what these guys went through voluntarily this was their job this is what they do this is what they you know this is what they picked as a career and uh it's still you know every every time i watch this movie no matter how many times i watch it it's just amazing that uh they did they volunteered to do this job that they did and they did it so well they got back home alive well and so. it's funny you mentioned you know like looking at Frank's hand, you know, drinking water or something, you know. Uh, one of the things we ran into hard uh, time with is uh, with with someone like Frank when he was when he donated his amazing collection to us. Um, <laughs> so, for example, he would, um, you know, we would give him some paperwork and he would grab a pen and sign something for us that, you know, for the, for paperwork or whatever, for the collection. Yeah. And then give us back and we'd laugh because we're like, well, this pen is now historic. <laughs> you know, from oh, a, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, it was like little silly stuff where he'd be like, uh, oh, I'm going to throw this away. We're like, well, <laughs> You know, Frank, did you? Yeah, you finished that good humor bar, and can we have? Right, you know, I mean, it was yeah, and, yeah. It, and it was really funny. It was a struggle, you know, for us uh, from a from a, a curatorial side because it's like every everything he messed with, we're like, yeah. okay, stop well, making this, history, Frank. It's... This now has to, you know, this should come with us, you know, and uh, yeah, it got to a point where he was he was he was cracking up, you know, he just. You guys are losing it. <laughs> you know, we're like, like no, no, we're taking this marker. We talked about how, you know, I, I lost my I lost my poor Tesla. My poor Tesla is, is gone now. And I kept thinking, that's the Tesla that I brought. That That's the, the very car that I took Frank Borman to lunch in, and he sat in the passenger seat. <laughs> and I was going to, you know, my, my wife was semi-kidding that we should put a brass plaque on the seat. It's like this Frank Foreman <laughs> sat in this chair. And I keep thinking when I sold the thing, you know, when I turned it over to the salvage yard, I was thinking, and don't forget that's Frank Borman's chair. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
<sighs> oh well, ashes to ashes. That's <laughs> well. At least you got. At least you got have a photo of the day. That's true. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll always and the memory of it. So there, yeah. there we are. My my grandchildren will know of Frank <laughs> Borman sitting in Grandpa's car one day. So, <laughs> and now of course I have to I have to get another car, drive to Montana, and ask Frank if he'd sit in that <laughs> exactly just to, to break it one. in. <laughs> and he'd probably do it too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and then and then make some disparaging comment at the same time. But, <laughs> Anyway, we've gone far afield on this, but I think we've covered a lot of things about NASA and science and, and exploration and, and history. Got, so what? I have what one last you? story, Jim. Oh, sure. I, I got okay. to tell. We're talking. We're talking eighties. Okay. Ta- we're talking, uh, 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 Frank. We got. I have to tell this story. Sure. Uh, and he's, if he's listening, Matt will remember this. But uh, uh, there's a gentleman who's a really good friend of the museum, who uh, has restored a DeLorean. Oh. And and he he has it done up look like the Back to the Future car. He's done an amazing job on it. Um, actually copied like the templates from like the original restoration of the car and everything. Wow. Yeah, it's the real deal. I mean, it looks really cool. And he had it at the museum for Space Day, and Frank was a speaker. And Frank just totally missing any reference to Back to the Future, sees the car, and Matt just says, you know, what do you think? And Frank just fires back, like, is there cocaine in this one? <laughs> like, totally missing, like, it's the Back to the Future car. Or, hey, isn't that wild? It's a DeLorean. He's just uh, like, oh, is there cocaine in it? <laughs> so, uh, nobody can cut you down like Frank. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, wow. Well, on that note, thank you. <laughs> thanks, thanks for for being part of this wide range wide ranging discussion. For folks who would also like to join in, and you know, obviously we have a, a a wide range of things topics you can talk about, but we're always happy to hear from you on social media. Find us at Facebook, the uh, Apollo thirteen minute mission control, or on Twitter. You can find us at Apollo thirteen minute. I'm not going to go through how to subscribe. You know how to subscribe if you're listening to this. You're probably already subscribed. But if you have, if you're not subscribed, go out to the big site Apollo thirteen minute Apollo one three minute dot com. Uh, we are going to be talking some more about well they're finally going to turn off this engine and maybe James Horner will calm down so we'll, we'll, we'll find that out tomorrow but it looks like we're coming up on uh, loss of signal in about 30 seconds so we'll see you here tomorrow on the Apollo 13 Minute